Welcome to So What Sustainability, a podcast series by Apricot Consulting. I'm your host, James McHugh, one of the leaders in the corporate social impact team. In this series, we explore leading trends and provide practical advice about environmental, social and governance issues and opportunities facing business and society. A circular economy is about business models and practices that ensure material waste is managed more sustainably. A circular economy seeks to reduce our reliance on primary materials, opting instead to reuse and repurpose where practicable. It therefore allows materials to add value multiple times across their life cycle. It not only creates opportunities for organisations to minimise their waste costs, but also benefits the environment by reducing the amount of waste ending up in landfill, reducing water waste costs and the use of toxic chemicals. So to discuss this topic with me today, I'm joined by Dr. Kevin Argus. Dr. Kevin Argus is a Senior Lecturer and MBA Program Manager at the Graduate School of Business and Law at RMIT University. Kevin's research in circular economy is focused on the role of data in enabling feasible and viable circular economy business models. Kevin is part of the Circular Economy Hub at RMIT, a cross-disciplinary industry-engaged network of researchers and experts working on cutting-edge and innovative circular economy research across Australia and internationally. Welcome, Kevin, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, James. So, Kevin, we've heard a little bit about you in your introduction there, but tell us a little bit more about your background and, in particular, your work with the circular economy. Yes, well, as you said, I'm from the Graduate School of Business and Law at RMIT University, and recently my research has pivoted towards ESG-related issues, which include circular economy and shared value in social procurement. Prior to this, um, my research was was more focused in, in marketing, um, which is quite interesting because, as you mentioned in the intro there, circular economy has a lot to do with business models and the viability of those business models. So I bring to Circular Economy a business marketing lens. I am the MBA program manager and part of my role is securing industry partnerships for collaborations that provide opportunities for student engagement, for research, and ultimately informing industry practice. This can also lead to informing government policy. So our focus has increasingly moved towards partnerships that address ESG-related issues. Uh, In 2018, we partnered with an organisation developing a digital platform enabling tracking, tracing and authentication of products that enter the building and construction industry as an end-to-end solution. And the aim of that um, particular research was about authenticating the identity of the raw materials in products and assemblies um, that enter the built environment so that that, um, buildings, if you like, can be procured for circular value. Creating circular value within construction and ensuring the quality and predictability or predictable life of buildings and their maintenance. And that's really important because you mentioned business models the whole question around circularity and being able to create value out of waste um, is only viable if you know what materials exist in the buildings that you've put together. And there's been a a major issue over the last few decades in building and construction of product substitution. So what we need is to have um, a medium where we can be certain of what's 
what inputs are going in so that we know what outputs we can reclaim uh, from those from those assets. So that project was my first foray into circular economy. Um, initially, it was a steep learning curve, which led to related project, projects involving researchers from other disciplines, including researchers from, you know, the design, construction and project management school, engineering, fashion and tech, textiles and other researchers from, from STEM. So this led to um, my colleagues, Professor Yusha Ayaraniga, Scott Ballantyne and Chris Lockery, and we formed the Circular Economy Hub, bringing together this cross-disciplinary collection of researchers because we recognise that to effectively engage with industry, government and the community in developing a thriving circular economy, it ultimately requires many aspects, including built business models, supply chains, products, processes, policy innovation, entrepreneurship and ecological economics. So there's no one scientific solution that makes it all possible. We need to come together and holistically meet this challenge. And so, Kevin, you, you, you've clearly got quite a, a deep and rich experience uh, working with the circular economy. I wonder for our listeners who may have heard the term quite a lot but don't really maybe understand what it means, um, maybe for those people that are listening in, could you just maybe explain the concept a little bit more of what circular economy is as maybe opposed to a more linear economic model um, and really just hone in on the value of circular economy that it, it's seeking to create? Yeah, sure, James. I think that's really important. Um, look, the linear economy is fairly straightforward. That's about where we we make something, we use it, and then we discard it. So what we create at the end of life is waste, and we know most of that waste goes to landfill or other processes for dealing with end-of-life waste. So that waste becomes a cost. Um, it's not a sustainable model, and this approach requires taking virgin resources, using them and discarding them, and, of course, that has huge implications for the ecology, for, you know, for the environment, the planet, for society, um, and we're seeing that play out now with the, um, you know, the sort of the impending um, climate catastrophe that um, we're experiencing and is being forecast to decline. So we need to take some action. And, and we talk about sustainability. Um, so in regard to a circular economy and what it is, it's all about reimagining how we make, use, reuse, repurpose and reclaim resources throughout the product life cycle. So at various stages, that might be when something needs to be repaired. Um, it might be when something um, meets the end of its particular life but could be repurposed into something else or could be reused in another way or where the components could be taken apart and re-enter the manufacturing um, cycle. Uh, at the end of life, um, it's the distribution of these various materials into various forms ideally higher order forms like repurpose, reuse, repair, um, uh, upcycling uh, into other types of products. At the lowest end is, is what's referred to as recycling. And recycling is often assumed by many to mean everything in terms of reuse, repurpose. But recycle is really just, you know, this, um, um, you know, compounding into a basic resource to re-enter to create new materials. So that's what we want to have less of, um, but still that creates a value. It, it, it means we don't have to go back to um, virgin resources. 
So a circular economy values all resources and materials, and thus waste becomes a resource and becomes highly valued. This is really important because the more scarce resources become, the higher their value uh, will be or their cost will be. So as virgin uh, resources become more scarce, those um, economies that transition to a circular economy model will thrive because they will have more cost-competitive means of providing resources that go into providing, you know, products and services that are, that are delivered. Um, so that's ultimately what we're striving for. And the key stakeholders in this are government, industry, academia, society, you know, community, society, and the environment. So it's taking that whole um, holistic approach. In an ideal world, products made would all have circular criteria attached to them, meaning that at the end of one stage of life is a new value point where that value becomes a resource input into another stage. As I said, whether that's reuse, repair, um, repurpose, you know, dismantle components for, for new uses, and at the lowest end, that sort of recycling, which has been the starting point for many, looking at recycling as something that people can do because we have this imminent challenge with waste as the waste that we were sort of distributing to China, that, that became a barrier. Now governments have to look and say, well, how do we deal with this waste? We don't have a circular economy currently, so recycling is the, I guess, um, lowest hanging fruit that has been the focus. But we need to look at supply chains and business models uh, more holistically to create more valuable um, uh, ecosystems of circularity. And what have been the key drivers accelerating companies to adopt circularity? Well, I guess circular economic, circular economic models and, and um, I guess doing business in this way, has, the idea has been around for a long time. It's just that there haven't really been the right incentives to drive major industries and governments to sort of make, you know, I guess switch the drivers to for it being an imperative. Um, also, because there's been a, this sense of plenty, um, there hasn't been a, a great sense of imperative to move away from what were cost-driven mo models. And that cost-driven model has had potentially unintended consequences, but, but quite predictable consequences. It's really been all about um, dismantling the ecosystem and all for the sake of trying to, to gain value through reducing cost. Um, the drivers now are, are the climate change imperative, um, the likes of COP26, you know, following on from the Paris Agreement, governments are accelerating the carbon reduction targets. Why are they doing it? Look, we've just had two years of pandemic, people sitting around with time to focus on these issues. They've experienced the impact of climate change in terms of its impact on the likes of um, greater likelihood of diseases, pandemics. Um, climate change is clearly having enormous impact throughout the world. We're all experiencing it. Um, so there's greater driver, I guess, from the voting public. So you're seeing that governments are not just um, um, talking and sort of um, sort of setting guidelines. There's this clear imperative that change needs to happen. And we're seeing significant funds being allocated to projects where there's a circular economy um, requirement attached. Uh, policies have been formed. More governments have established circular economy policy. 
The next challenge, I guess, is them working out what they do with those funds. Typically what happens is we know with governments, they've got an idea, they, they've been sold on the idea that circular economy is a medium for cre creating sustainability. Um, but then how that's done becomes this nexus or this, um, um, this sort of triangulation between government, industry and research to establish how best to make this happen. You've got Generation Z and the millennials who are much more aware and informed about aspects of um, the consequences of the linear model and what that means for them and the world that they live in. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's big drivers in terms of consumption. So, for example, in the textiles industry, which contributes enormously to landfill waste, um, enormously to pollution in terms of water wastage, uh, you've got... Um, a rising niche of consumers who are really driving um, market points of competitive advantage for, for brands that wish to be not only ethical in their supply chain, but circular in their supply chain, which is then informing sustainability. Um, these consumers are, are savvy. They understand how these systems work. So it's not enough just to say, well, we only use fabrics that, um, that have particular qualities. Um, these consumers are then saying, yes, but what happens at end of life? So you've got a highly educated, um, massive cohort of your primary target in terms of um, marketing of goods and services, and, uh, and that's another key driver. The other one, I guess, connected to all of this is the carbon emissions. So I was just noticing actually last night on the news in terms of... Um, you know, the whole valuation of carbon credibility is having a positive impact in terms of valuation. So you've seen investment markets move towards those organised, those industries, those, those um, businesses that are moving themselves to be carbon neutral because they see that, see that as a sustainable and competitive future for those organisations. So I guess, um, you know, the stars align when you have um, society aware seeing the damage to the um, ecosystem at a planetary level. Um, you've got governments who would like to do good things, but they also like to be re-elected. But then you've got that community who then understand that something significant needs to happen. You've got industry who wants to lead on this because they need a sustainable future in terms of competitive advantage. And if you look at the construction industry just as one, um, end of life for buildings at the moment we're finding is total landfill, whereas th those buildings... Um, you know, the research that's been done now is all around buildings as a bank, as a value bank of materials. But as I said, the research that, that we're part of around that digital model of being able to track and trace and validate what's in those buildings is a required underpinning to enable that to occur. So there, there certainly needs to be um, technology innovation to support these drivers and to make it not only feasible, but viable for various stakeholders. And I'm glad you touched on that uh, technology and the influence of technology on the circular economy, because that that brings me to my my next uh, question. There is, um, you know, how do you see technology playing a role in in innovating the way that we reduce, we reuse, we recycle, we repurpose our waste? Look, there's there's a couple of ways to well, many ways to address this question, but one is if you look at the product level, we clearly need, you know, our researchers at the the sort of the STEM engineering uh, coalface to look at um, how we can use 
current waste in likes of plastic, glass, um, you know, maybe rubber, other forms of um, mass waste and take that waste and convert it as a resource into um, creating new materials. So there's some great work being done uh, among my colleagues around the use of plastic and glass into, for example, road making materials. Um, many of your listeners may well have seen featured on the ABC the New South Wales um, 2022 Aust- New South Wales Australian of the Year, Professor Veen um, Sawila. Um, she's basically contributed to pioneering high temperature transformation of plastic waste, turning it into new green products. And what I think she's done there very effectively is recognise that there needs to be a market for these products. So they need to be aesthetically pleasing. They need to have durability. They need to to sort of be competitive um, at a comparable level, at a parity level in terms of, you know, within, within reason, the cost of those materials and the uh, effectiveness of those materials in terms of how they're going to perform. Um, and that's what she's been able to do exceedingly well and partner with uh, some, some partners in construction who see this as a way forward then to provide solutions for consumers who want to construct in that way, for architects that, that clearly want to design in that way, and constructors, building um, construction firms who from our association and and, and uh, interface with them, clearly see that as where the thriving market is moving forward. So their forecast is circular economy is king. They just are, are looking at ways to enable their business model to transition to that. And as I mentioned, the, the other part of that, well, well, that part is the product part. The other part then is the business model. And as I mentioned, the research that we're doing around, um, well, two pieces of research. One, um, we've got some research around assessing what is assessing and measurement of circular economy. So there's a really interesting piece around that to look and make sure that, that the initiatives undertaken truly are circular within a holistic framework. And the other is, as I mentioned, that digital platform um, solution where you're looking at relying on the data to inform what has circular value because that endemic problem that we've had in the construction industry that we've all seen play out with apartment buildings where you've had cladding go up in fire, you've had, you know, some buildings that that don't meet their stability and uh, seem to be falling apart at the seams and all sorts of problems around um, apartment blocks. Um, what's an, an example is 50% of all glass coming into, into the construction was, was not really um, standard. Uh, so you've had buildings like um, a few years back, you had a, a, a new bank in Collins Street um, where all the glass had to be replaced. I think it was about 17 million replacement costs purely because the glass didn't meet the standard for the environmental conditions of heat and, and cooling, et cetera. So it didn't meet thermal conditions, potentially would have exploded. So why is that happening? That's happening because the business models in construction and, and building have been built on cost alone without concern for what the materials are. A circular model requires validation of the value of the reclaimable materials that, that go in at the input point. What it also means is you have better performing buildings they have 
um, thermal reliability. So if you build a five-star or seven-star green building, it will perform to the design by the um, architects, whereas currently the problem is you might design a seven-star building, the architect, uh, the, the the builder who wins the, the contract um, puts that out to, you know, subcontractors and whatever, and down the line so much substitution occurs it might perform like a four-star rating building. Um, and that's that's been a major part of the problem. So the digital solution, the digital technology in track and trace and, and finding ways to, uh, and the technologies there, to, um, to have every material labelled in a way that can be scanned to um, ensure its providence in terms of its certification and, and what the ingredients are can be placed into a system so that we do have buildings as a bank, so that you know at any point of maintenance, you know what you're actually dealing with and how to maintain it effectively, and that at those points along the way where materials are extracted from the building, they're extracted with value, not, not with cost. Um, so it, it just transforms the whole life cycle of the cost of building. And I know the argument um, has often been at the bidding side, potentially if you look at government and they're bidding on, for tenders or putting, putting out to tender, um, cost has often been the driver, but they don't consider the lifetime or the life cycle cost of a building. So if you build bad, the cost of maintenance becomes horrendous over the life cycle and you end up with landfill as a massive cost. Whereas if you build smart or build circular, you end up with an asset that is of huge value, it performs well, you provide well-being for the citizens and well-being for the environment. And that's really, I guess, what, um, what technology's about in informing the feasibility and viability of circularity. It, it makes a lot of sense to me, Kevin. Uh, we're, we're nearly short on time, or we are short on time at the moment, but maybe one last question if you've got time for us, uh, Kevin, is that, you know, for our listeners that might be listening in, they're, they're thinking about their own organisations, they're thinking about their own organisations' business models, they might be a bit more skewed towards that more economic linear model that you've been talking about but know that they need to transition to a more circular model, where would you suggest they start? Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I think if, if, a, if an organisation wants to start, a good place to start would be connecting with the likes of our circular economy hub because you've got a rich wealth of knowledge about what's happening. So part of what researchers do is they don't just research what they're doing and, and innovate stuff they are aware through the literature, that through the published literature, what's happening in terms of best practice or various practice internationally. So, um, for example, we're working with a, with a, a textile um, manufacturer that's an ethical textile manufacturer um, in Melbourne. So our circular economy researchers within the School of Fashion and Textiles have brought together a multidisciplinary team. We've met with that manufacturer. And what we're doing is, is brainstorming where they want to be in terms of their vision and what steps they can take along the way. So we've put together an initial uh, research project, which is really looking at customer-facing, how they can inform the behaviours of their customers, which they know. They know their customers are the green customers who want ethical production 
in that particular instance. But they're also, they also know that to be competitive long-term, they need circularity because these customers are smart. They don't just want to know that it's ethical in terms of supply chain. They want to know that it's not contributing negatively to the environment. So then other projects will emerge about, well, how can we do this step-by-step so that you can inform what you do within your supply chain? So we have things like value stream mapping, where you can map out the supply chain, look at what's currently happening in terms of flows and look where there are efficiencies in terms of um, developing relationships that are more circular. Um, so it can be done as a step process, but the Circular Economy Hub is a great starting point because you've got so much rich knowledge um, and it's fairly unique that we're, we're taking a multidisciplinary approach, whereas much research traditionally is done very much at the focus level. So what are you into? We need road-making material. You'll speak to people who do research into that type of material rather than necessarily look holistically. So that would be my advice. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, certainly. And we will put a link to the circular hub uh, in our show notes um, and we're also popping a link in there to your LinkedIn. So if people would like to get connected with you, they can do so uh, via that way. But thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. Kevin Argus, today to share about your experience and your wealth of knowledge with the circular economy. Uh, we'll have to have you back on uh, at some point. Thanks, James. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners who would like some more information about Apricot Consulting, please visit us at our website or subscribe to this podcast series. Uh, you can also follow me, James McHugh, on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us on So What Sustainability.